Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. That, uh, with a special edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, Getting Over is back once again, and on this special show, we are welcoming none other than one half of the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, one of three members of Damage Control, and the first New Zealander to hold a WWE Championship since 1981. It is Dakota Kai joining the show. Today, we are all set for a great conversation with her that will come up momentarily right here on the podcast. Before we bring Dakota in, it would not be an episode of Getting Over without me reminding you that this show is all about Defy. So please be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave those five-star ratings on Apple. Also leave a five-star written review. Let everyone know how much you love the show. Tell them why they should subscribe. And you can even perhaps mention interviews like these as one of the reasons why people should uh, listen, download the episodes, and subscribe. And speaking of Spotify, I have seen a ton of you tweeting us your, um, I don't know what they're necessarily called, but all these Spotify top five lists and the total minutes that you've listened to this show over the years, your, your rankings, we're getting over uh, is in your top podcasts and the top things that you listen to on Spotify. It's awesome to see. Please keep sending them. We'll keep liking and retweeting them. Uh, we appreciate being such a large part of your lives, whether it's your commute to work, uh, what you listen to the next day following uh, the TV shows, Raw, SmackDown, Dynamite, NXT, whatever the case might be. And, you know, we love bringing the show to you uh, every single week, multiple times, obviously. And we also love bringing you special editions of this podcast. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Not only do we uh, tweet every single time a new episode drops, we post polls, news, analysis all week long, along with some funny stuff too, gifts, videos, all that good crap. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. And actually one last thing before we move on and we get to our Dakota Kai interview, I just wanna go over the two shows that we have already taped for you this week here on Getting Over. Please do not miss our WWE Survivor Series War Games Instant Analysis Podcast that came out early, early Sunday morning, very soon after that show went off the air. We also came back on Tuesday with our latest WWE episode, breaking down everything that happened on SmackDown that was not directly related to Survivor Series War Games, along with the fallout from that show on Raw. We had a very interesting conversation about Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens, Becky Lynch becoming the man of the people, and a lot of other things that went down on what was probably one of the best episodes of Raw of the entire year. I'm not going to come out and say it was the number one episode. It was easily in the top 10, very likely in the top five overall. And guess who happened to be part of that show? None other than our guest today, Dakota Kai. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to it. Thrilled to welcome one half of the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, Dakota Kai, to the show for the very first time. You can catch Dakota on WWE Raw every Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern on USA Network. And if you haven't already watched Survivor Series War Games, first of all, what's wrong with you? But you can catch that <laughs> streaming now on Peacock Dakota. It's great having you here. This must have been a crazy time for you. If you've basically been going 
nonstop since coming back to WWE four yeah. months ago. Have you gotten a chance to take a breath and kind of consider not just how wild of a year it's been, but how wild the last four months has been for you personally? Like you said, it's been so hard because we're, we're so in it, right? And like you said, since SummerSlam, it's been nonstop, literally traveling every week on the to raw even smackdown the the paper like the premium live events the live events themselves it's been super hard to step back and sort of reflect and it started that way too right like uh before SummerSlam, i didn't know that this would even be a possibility of me coming back to the company not 24 hours before so it started out of the blue and for me, I really, I very much have to force myself to step out and sort of look at everything that's happened and things that I've accomplished to appreciate and sort of be grateful for that because it's been, it's very hard when you're in it. You kind of just like, you know, you do this and you look towards the next thing. You do that, you look towards the next thing and there's no real like downtime or anything. We have a few days off some here and there, but we're always looking to the next thing. So it's something I've had to force myself to do and sort of, you know, look at what you've done. Look at, you know, war games that just happened on Saturday. That was an insane match. You were in there for almost 50 minutes. It's it's something I had to be mindful of and just sort of like, wow, like what you're doing is really cool. Let's make sure you don't, you know, it's, don't wait until it's too late to look back and, you know, appreciate it while you're in it. So that's definitely been something I'm trying to do. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, I mentioned war games off the top. You mentioned it right here. Look. WWE has a Mr. WrestleMania. You know him quite well. Uh, you, uh, my friend, are quickly becoming Ms. War Games or King Coda, whichever, whichever you want to call. You have one of the most iconic moments that we've seen in the WWE version, at least, of the match. Obviously, the turn on Tegan Knox, it's referenced all the time. And then this year, I'll just be frank, you sold your ass off for 40 minutes in the ring. I mean, it was wild what you did in that match. What is it about War Games, the match, the concept, the planning of it, whatever the case, what is it that speaks so much to you personally? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't even know. I mean, like the very first one that you mentioned where I did turn on Tegan, I didn't even enter the cage that year. Technically, I was still a part right. of it, but I didn't get to enter the cage. And then, you know, the next three years, they had me start every War Games match. They were probably like, you know what? You didn't even get the opportunity to do it the first year. Let's you looked out the first time. From the start. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't get hurt that year, so let's hurt you yeah. three years in a row. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> three years in a row. Let's start you. And um, I don't even know. I, I, I love the War Games match so much, but I think it's just due to many things. Like the NXT Women's War Games match, it was the first ever Women's mm -hmm. War Games match. And I think at the time our NXT women's division, uh, you know, consisted of Rhea Ripley, Shanna Baszler, Bianca Belair, Candice LeRae, myself, Io. It was, uh, we were very close knit and we all had the same goal in terms of elevating women's wrestling and just doing the best we could for it. So to have that opportunity to be the first ever women's war games match was just very, we were very grateful and we just didn't want to drop the ball. And every year since then I have started and it's very grueling. It, it, there's no way you can even prepare for a match like this. Like, I'm lucky to have been in a couple before, but how do you even prepare for a war games match? You can't really, yeah. you know, I was worried about being in there for so long this year because I haven't been in anything that big since returning back. So I was like, oh gosh, I hope my cardio holds up. I don't know, 50 minutes and I'm starting with freaking Bianca Belair, the EST <laughs> of WWE. So um, there's so many 
different elements to a match like that that I, I love. You know, there's a lot of moving pieces. There's uh, two rings and a cage and weapons. There's so many things that you can sort of play around with. And I love that unpredictable element of a War Games match. And um, I'll take the moniker of Ms. War Games. Uh, so far, <laughs> I mean, it's deserving to this point. I mean, yeah. you know, the only other person who maybe could contend with you for it would be yeah. EO. And mm -hmm. well, yeah, and and I just feel like with her, it's like, all right, give me a trash can and yeah. <laughs> I'll do something crazy with it. Cause yeah. she's a psychopath in that way, in the best way. Crazy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like I, I feel like her head. When, when you guys <laughs> are, you know, when you are, when you're working with her, obviously now you're a tag team. I'll talk about that a little more in a minute, but like, mm -hmm. is it always with her almost like, well, what if we just do this and this crazier thing than maybe was initially proposed? Because that's the way it comes off to me as a viewer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it very much is. And like everything crazy that she does, she suggests herself. Like no one's no one's telling Eo like, hey, you know, it'd be cool. You climb to the top of a cage, put a trash can on so you're blind <laughs> and dive over, like into a group of people. Like no one would suggest that for someone else because that's insane. But she right. just thinks of it herself. And it, I think for her, it's like thinking of the next thing, like what's something that can beat that like she's just constantly thinking of like the riskiest thing to do you know this year she did her awesome moonsault from the top of the cage which she also did in the first year mm -hmm. um, which is insane to me she's such a athlete but yeah it, you it, said she's crazy in the best way it's the best way to and it's one thing her. to think about it it's another to like actually do it and execute it perfectly which yes. is what's wild about her so yeah i think yeah. about a lot of things i want to do but i don't know if i would be able to execute them as well yeah, as i'm not that. out here running marathons okay i mean it'd be cool to do it but i'm not about to do it you know yeah so, um, you. <laughs> so war games was awesome but you're also coming off a match monday night with candace loray that i just thought yeah. was a really terrific showcase of what both of you can do in the ring and mm -hmm. on our show you know look we're discussing what you guys do every single week on Raw, yeah. SmackDown, the pay-per-views, premium live events. And one observation I had about both you and EO was that there might've been, and I say this with total respect, but like mm -hmm. a bit of ring rust when you guys first came back, yeah. not just individually, but also getting into a groove as a team. Now, yeah. obviously you weren't wrestling for a while and she was yeah. coming off of injuries. So that yeah. there's a lot of reasons for that. But that groove is what I feel like we've been seeing from both of you, you in particular over the last you know, month, two weeks or so. Is that fair? Mm -hmm. Is that an accurate that, observation? That's very accurate. And like I, like you said, like I wasn't wrestling in, in that period of time in between getting released and being rehired back. And the reason for that was, I mean, I was still working out, but in terms of wrestling, like doing, I, yeah, going through the motions. Right? Yeah. I was um at the end of my first run. I was just very much like, I don't want to, I was just very much out of it. I, I, I just felt like I wanted so much more and more opportunities. And then I got released. I'm like, it was a blow like to my confidence, but I really wanted to step away just to sort of reset myself and like, you know, actually force myself again to be grateful for everything that I've accomplished. Cause I, I really was, and it was unfortunate that that happened, but I needed mm -hmm. to step away to sort of recenter myself. And then in terms of coming back, I, it was out of the blue. I, I got told with a day's notice. There was no way I could have prepared for that. I got into the ring maybe a couple times during that period of time I had off, but there's no way I could have prepared. So I think being thrown back into the deep end and doing matches almost every week and being on the live events, that's very much helped me get back into my groove. And yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So on that kind of note <laughs> overall, let's talk briefly about the last time you were rolling this hot, which obviously was in NXT, given mm -hmm. that's where you were before you just yeah. got back here. Uh, as your time went on there, it's fair to say 
that at least the fans, and I'm, you know, speaking on your behalf here, the fans got very restless, right? Especially yeah. when that 2021 draft came and went and nothing changed for you. And then there was the transition <laughs> yeah. to NXT 2.0 and many figured, hey, you know, these veterans, they're going to get called up and we're yeah. going to see them all on the main roster. It's about time that this all happens. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you must have asked about your status. It's, it's where you're employed, right? You're going there every day. What all were right. you being told about? I, so... I had a bunch of dark matches on uh, Raw and, right. and SmackDown 2 uh, at the end of last year. So they were like back-to-back. It was like six dark matches. And leading up until the draft, I actually got told that I would be a part of it. Oh. I don't know. So I, 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 I got told and I'm like, oh, cool, awesome. And now I don't get told anything up until then. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just watch TV and see if it happens. Like, right. who knows how they do I don't know. Sure enough. It happens. I don't like nothing happens to me, and I'm like, oh, maybe something happened. I kind of just was like, oh, maybe something changed. You know how right. things change all the time. It's just something that happens, especially in a company that moves so fast and so quick paced. But they they were planning on, you know, getting me off of NXT. Like that's how my storyline ended because they thought I'd be part of the draft. But sure enough, that didn't happen. So they're like, uh, we'll bring you back then. And it was just a very weird time because. Everything was up in the air. I didn't know what was going on, but I figured I'm like, well, I'm I'm an NXT still, so let's just you know keep doing this and just see what happens. And yeah, that, that was that was yeah, very strange time. And I think that sort of helped. Well, not helped, but made me feel just like it was a blow to my confidence as well. Like were that, you, that. Were you still feeling fulfilled in NXT, or was it almost like, look, I came over with a goal in mind, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, you're not. It's not like you came from Canada or Mexico, like you know, a relatively <laughs> short trip. You you came eight thousand miles, right? Yeah, uh, to the United States to be in WWE and NXT's WWE. I'm trust me, a, a huge black and gold fan from back in oh, the yeah. here. So I'm, yeah. I'm not I'm not putting that down or anything. But mm-hmm. but at some point you want to move on, right? You want to go on Raw, SmackDown. You want to wrestle at WrestleMania. Yeah. You want to do all of those course. things. Were yeah. you kind of just like, you know, this isn't how it's going? And like, were you getting in your own head, or were you just pretty? you know, confident that everything that you were working towards would pan out? I think it was definitely a mix of both because I already have confidence issues. I have severe, like, performance anxiety. So Mm. having all those things be told to me and then things not happening and, like, you've been told one thing and then something else happened, like, it has I had to, like, sort of force myself to be like, ah, these things just happen. Like, don't get in your head. Don't spiral or anything like that. But I was very grateful, especially during the end of that time with what I was doing, you know, like, I – got to team with uh, Wendy. I got to team with Raquel. I got to do like a lot of things with these younger girls coming up. Mm-hmm. And I was grateful to be able to be there and help them and sort of be that person. At the same time, I had this other side. It's like, I didn't get drafted. So like, what is happening? There's a lot of unsure things going around. There's a lot of people saying things and then another a lot of people saying other things. So I definitely felt at that time that like I was happy to sort of help, but I also had, I wanted so much more than I was being given at the time. And that's just normal, you know, like we, we just crave more. I, I, I knew I wanted more opportunities and more, you know, to go to Raw, go to SmackDown. So um, yeah, it was definitely a mix between the two, which is a very strange place to be. No, that makes sense. And I yeah. heard you previously say that your release was both surprising and not surprising to you. Yeah. I guess mostly for all those reasons that you just mentioned. Now, mm-hmm. I know you have your Twitch channel and your gaming and other things that were certainly keeping you busy, yeah. but were you having talks about getting back in the ring on a contracted basis elsewhere before you came back to WWE? 
the um the talks never got super far but there was that we definitely touched base and um i didn't hear anything for like about like a few weeks until triple h actually contacted me okay uh there were a few independent promotions here and there but yeah i was like in light talks i would say but they never progressed to anything further and then at that point in time i'd waited a few weeks and then I think it was meant to be when Triple H, you know, called me because yeah. I, at that time, I felt good and I felt ready to get back in the ring. And sure enough, this guy calls and <laughs> yeah. wants me back. But yeah, there were talks. Yeah. Now, obviously, your big return uh, came at SummerSlam. And I know you've <laughs> already discussed how that happened, but I yeah. do have some kind of curiosities about it. The first is you mentioned something about Bailey coming down to the Performance Center and shooting yeah. photos and videos of you guys that she used to pitch and eventually yeah. show Triple H and say, hey, this is last last gasp effort here. I yeah. want to come back. I want to come back with these girls. Yes. First, I'm wondering, was EO always part of that from the start? And was anyone else involved in that material? So from the very start, I would say when she first mentioned it to me a couple years before, it was myself, Candice LeRae, and Tegan. I, 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 those were the ones that were from the start. And obviously things that happened right. from then till now that, you know, changed um, the, the photos and stuff that we took earlier this year. Gosh, that's this year. That's weird. To say. I know it's been it's a so crazy long year. Ago. It's, the, yeah. it's the wildest year in wrestling. It's, <laughs> it's so weird. Anyway. Uh, it's like I'm in a time warp. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was myself and EO and then Kaylee Ray and Raquel Gonzalez. So that was like the updated version of that. And then, you know, when she finally repitched it again in a last ditch effort, right when Triple H, uh, you know, basically came to the company again. Uh, yeah, he just, she sent him those photos of the five of us, those videos we did. And he, his first response was like, what's Dakota doing right now? So I felt really um, overwhelmed that he thought of me. And yeah, so that was like the evolution of that. Awesome. And how did it make you kind of feel that Bailey not only had that idea initially, but went so far as to continue pushing for it, despite you no longer being employed by the company. Yeah, <laughs> this girl, I don't, I don't understand because like she, the week or a few days before SummerSlam, before I even knew that they were interested in me or that that was even a possibility. Because at that point, no one had been brought back into the company. Right. You know, I was like the first one. So she takes me and she's like, "Hey, I'm gonna like pitch this," and I'm like good for you. Like, cool. I hope it goes well for you. Like, I hope that they find some cool people that can be in the stable that are like, you know, that fit this. Yeah. I'm not thinking that I'm going to get brought back. And then sure enough, like Hunter text, well, text me that he was going to call me like literally minutes after she said that. I'm like, what is going on? Like, what is this? For me to be like the first on his mind since he, you know, got into that role, it's yeah. just so weird to me because I never thought of myself as a top guy. I've always been like, you know, the guy that helps or, and I'm happy to do that. But that was like, that was, that helped my confidence a little bit. I'm like, oh, he must really trust in me to bring me back into this faction that Bailey pitched. So, yeah. For someone who was, who was the original, I should say, big dog, not thinking of yourself yes, as a top guy you. is a little, little funny. Um, <laughs> now, once that offer came in, uh, did you have any hesitation or had there maybe been some reassurances that things are not going to go down the way they did last time? Right, right. I think, so when he first called me, I needed like a little time to sort of sit on it and really like make sure that this is what I wanted to do. Because after I got released, I, I wanted to make sure that any decision I made was good for me, you know, like good for me, not only mentally, you know, mentally, emotionally, all the things. And after 
I got told that like oh my gosh things have changed and like this is you know this is cool uh it was an easy decision to make and um I think Hunter having my back and Bailey too definitely helped and being brought back into the company alongside you know Bailey who I've she we've been close friends for like years now that was also reassuring to me that I would be coming back in and being a part of something like that that makes total sense uh Dakota I'll get you out of here on this there has been a huge influx of Kiwis and Aussies in WWE over the last five, six, seven years. And I'm not sure whether you realize it, but not only were you the first Kiwi woman ever signed by WWE, you're the first man or woman from New Zealand to hold a WWE championship since 1981. So what does it mean to you to hold that distinction? And do you see this talent surge from that, uh, I guess, hemisphere, the Western Mm -hmm. hemisphere, do you see that continuing? I really hope so. New, you know, New Zealand and Australia, I guess, we're, we're both so small, especially New Zealand. We're a tiny country. Not many people even know about it here, which, um, you know, it's not surprising. We're so small. There's a subreddit called Maps Without New Zealand, which is actually <laughs> a thing. And then just people uploading maps and we don't exist. I'm like, and I think that being a part of a, being from a country that's so small, it, it, it's, it's, it holds a special place in my heart because, like you said, being the first kiwi to hold a title since the 80s that's such a big deal to me you know like i i just hope that i can represent that nation with like you know we're small but we're mighty i like to explain like describe new zealand like that so it's very surreal to think about it in that aspect because i didn't know that (laughs) i'll be candid i'll be candid i had to make sure that me calling you guys kiwis was like appropriate like oh, I, wasn't, yeah. I was like, is that, I know there's no. New Zealanders, but like, can I actually say Kiwi? Is that like, yeah, okay? <laughs> yeah it's funny. Cause like every time I get asked that, they're like, is it like named after the fruit? I'm like, no, it's the bird. It's the it's bird. Bird. It's the bird. That I actually knew, but I didn't know if <laughs> yeah, it was like a slang or if it was like, okay to like, go no, ahead and it's say cool. it. So. We, okay, yeah, good. we call ourselves Kiwis. Yeah. Well, Dakota, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Getting Over. Um, you know, you can catch Dakota Kai, of course, as I said, one half of the WWE women's tag team champions in damage control with Bailey and EO Sky every Monday night on Raw, 8 p.m. Eastern USA Network. And like I said, go back and watch Survivor Series War Games if you have not. (laughs) Streaming now on Peacock Dakota. Thanks once again for all the time. Yeah, go back and watch me get thrown around like a ragdoll. For 40 minutes. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Of course. Well, that was an absolute blast. Uh, Thanks again to Dakota Kai for joining us. You know, this is an interview we were actually supposed to get way earlier this year before she got released by WWE. Obviously, at that point, it became impossible to get such a interview through WWE. And I certainly had no way of contacting her uh, directly. But, uh, you know, we've been asking, of course, since she made that return at SummerSlam, candidly, we've been asking for all three of them. Of course, maybe with EOSky, it would be a little bit more difficult to execute in an audio-only uh, platform. But nevertheless, I've been trying to get in touch with Dakota Kai and Bailey, so I really do appreciate WWE ensuring that we got her, especially coming out of such a notable 72 hours, as I kind of mentioned during the interview. She was the MVP of that Women's War Games match. There's not really even a question about it, as far as I'm concerned. And then, you know, a couple uh, days later, she comes up on Raw, puts on an absolute banger with Candice LeRae that not only served as a way of helping Candice get over, but was also really the first 100% indication we had that both of them have shaken off the ring rust and they're back 
operating at, you know, pretty much 100% capacity on what they are capable of doing. Now, the next time I speak with Dakota, which hopefully is relatively soon, I'm going to ask her if that energy and passion and that terrific attitude that she has is just her all the time because, man, it was a delight to be able to interview someone that energetic, that passionate, outgoing, and just willing to kind of answer all those questions and not really hold back. It also obviously felt good to know what we have been seeing and talking about regarding her from an in-ring standpoint wasn't just my imagination because the level at which Dakota and EO have been wrestling the last couple of weeks, that's what we were used to seeing from them in NXT, obviously with Dakota uh, before she got released with EO, before she had that surgery, which if memory serves was a knee surgery. And certainly coming back from that is, you know, it takes a while for you to really get things right. It took Seth Rollins like a year to start wrestling the way he used to be able to wrestle, coming back off of his knee injury. But we've been getting top tier stuff from them recently, and I definitely hope that continues. I also hope that Ms. Wargames as a nickname sticks for her. That way we can take credit here, you know, on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast for that. I was a little bit surprised by one of her answers, which was that there wasn't heavier interest in her as a free agent from one company in particular, obviously. But it also kind of seems like she wasn't really in a rush to get back into the ring. And, you know, timing is everything in life. So perhaps that was playing a part in it as well. But, you know, she was talking about independent promotions having her ear and her talking about a couple dates. I thought something more impactful might have come her way or an opportunity for her to be a bit elite in the ring might have shown up. And for that not to be the case, to me, is just an utter shock that someone didn't scoop her up as quick as they possibly could have. But like I said, timing's everything. It worked out extremely well, obviously, for her. Johnny Gargano, Candice LeRae as well. And now we're lucky to have all of them back on WWE TV, along with Io, who was reportedly going to let her contract expire and just leave WWE. So again, great for Dakota, what she's doing in WWE. Great to have her on today's show. We do hope to bring you more interviews as we close out 2022. We are making feelers beyond WWE as well, but certainly WWE has been very generous recently, uh, getting us some names for the podcast. Beyond the interviews, of course, we do have some special shows planned. Uh, And that also goes beyond our annual Getting Over Awards, aka the meaties, which will still go down before the end of December. We'll do a full awards show as usual, but we're also going to do some other things. And we'll tell you about those in the future because look, this has indeed been the wildest year in the history of professional wrestling. And that includes WWE buying WCW. That actually obviously happened decades ago. And yet this year is still way, way crazier than that. We cannot here at Getting Over let 2022 end without really diving deep and going through all of it. So as I said, more on that to come. On the way out of today's show, one more reminder to go back, listen to our WWE Survivor Series War Games Instant Analysis and our WWE episode, both of which are already in your podcast feeds. And of course, this coming Thursday, we will have our latest NXT and AEW show. So do not miss that either. But on the way out, one more reminder here, the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. It's all about so head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. 
drop those five-star ratings on Apple. Take a couple extra moments. Leave a five-star written review. Let everyone know why you love the show. Tell them why they should subscribe. The ratings, the reviews, super important to us. And even though I don't, you know, mention Apple, I mean, I don't mention, I'm sorry, Spotify as much as I do Apple, those Spotify ratings are important too. Apparently a ton of you listen to us on Spotify because of all those screenshots and messages that I was talking about getting today. So if you are listening to us on Spotify, be sure to just hit that five stars. Literally it's one click. That's all you have to do. There's not even a chance for you to do a review. Please give us that five star rating on Spotify. It's certainly helping us grow our audience and we're very appreciative of that as well. Please also do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast for episode drops, news analysis, and fun stuff all week long. That is it. I'll get you out of here. It's a short show today. Thanks once again to Dakota Kai for joining us on this edition of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. For now, this is the Silver King signing off and leaving you with just three final words. Bye for now.